Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash What's going on, Citizens Youth? Sam here, and we have another online gathering prepared for you tonight. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited for this. We are Citizens Youth. That means we're a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. And tonight, we're going to continue to learn, all right? And so open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians as we continue our newest sermon series called Unfinished. Unfinished. As you open up your Bibles, I want to ask you a question to kick things off. I'm wondering, what do you do when things don't go according to plan? I want you to answer that, right? Like, what, what do you do? Maybe ask your parents, ask your siblings, ask someone who knows you really well. How do you typically react? How do you feel when things don't go according to plan? Maybe you're a, a Peter positivity, right? No relation to Peter Burchett, completely different Peter. Peter positivity, you're like, it's okay, we'll get him next time. Maybe you're closer to Debbie Downer, who you're just like, no, this is the end of the world. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But what do you do when things don't go according to plan? Just for fun, I want you to pretend. I want you to imagine that you are a secret mission soldier, Navy SEAL, and you're on a mission, all right? Just for fun, I want you to pretend that you look like this guy, all right? And so you are on an airplane, and you have, just like any mission does, you have a plan. The plan is that you are going to take that airplane into enemy territory. You are going to jump off of the airplane behind enemy lines. Once you do that, you have 24 hours to go back to the, to the rendezvous point. Okay? That's the plan. And so you're in your airplane and you're, you're going over your maps and your plans and you're just reviewing. And then that scene happens. And the pilot dies. Before he died, he managed to, to, with his dying breaths, he managed to tell you some more great news, that the plane has a fuel leak. Awesome. As you guys are, you know, uh, you and your guide, you have a guide who's with you, right? And he's going to jump out of the airplane with you. He's going to help you through the forest and over the mountains. He's going to help you go undetected. But as you guys are panicking about the pilot, he has a heart attack because he's 80 years old. Who puts you with an 80-year-old guide on an airplane on a secret mission? I don't know, it's not my plan, it's his plan. And so the guy's dead, that guy's dead, everybody's dead, he's gotta jump out of the airplane now. That plane is gonna crash, and instead of 24 hours, dude's gonna have four hours to make it back to the rendezvous point. And so he's sitting there, looking outside the airplane, he's about to jump, and he cannot help but say to himself, this is not the plan. He's even frustrated now, now he's just screaming, this is not the plan! And he jumps, and we realize he forgot his parachute. That wasn't the plan, oops, right? And so you realize, right, as he's jumping, I'm kidding, he, don't worry, okay, I know, that was dark, that was a little morbid. He had a parachute, no worries. But as he's dropping from 10,000 feet, he's thinking about the obstacles, he's thinking about these difficult circumstances, and he realizes that his mission has just become mission impossible. There's no way this can happen, right? And so, see, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, Sam, you don't need to make up some military illustration because I know exactly what you're talking about in my life. 
Perhaps there have been a few of you, at least one of you, who at some point in the last several weeks, you've said to yourself, this is not the plan. And so I'm just curious, what do you do when things don't go according to plan? You see, tonight we're going to look at Paul's life. All right, he's the author of the book here. We're going to look at his life. And granted, he's not jumping out of airplanes, all right? There's no pilots dying, but he is on a mission. And there's going to be some things that happen in his life that would make any one of us say, whoa, that's not the plan. That's not the plan. And so as we look tonight at this text, I want you to notice how he responds. I want you to notice what he does when things don't go according to plan. Just when you think the plan is tanked, just when you think the mission seems to be impossible, look what he does. And so we're going to pick up our story. We're going to look at it in verse 12. What do you do when things don't go according to plan, students? Let's find out. Starting in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Students, the first thing we see in our text today is that difficult situations cannot stop God's plan. Difficult situations cannot stop God's plan. You see, Paul was on a mission. He was on God's mission. But he wasn't always there. See, Paul was the kind of kid that when he was growing up, he had straight A's, he was super smart, he had a great family tree. He was the kind of dude that if you asked him, he would tell you, oh yeah, God's a big fan of me. I mean, who wouldn't be, you know? And so all of that changed though, because one day Paul met Jesus. And in that encounter, he realized that all of the things that he thought that made him good enough, all of the things he thought that he had going for him were wrong. They were not enough. All of the pursuits that he was chasing with his life were less than the pursuit of following Jesus. And so this guy becomes a Jesus follower. Later in the book, we'll see, he says, all of the things that I used to pursue, now I realize that they're rubbish compared to knowing and making known the name of Jesus. And so Paul, he has a new life here. And we see God's plan for his life is very clear. God's plan is that this dude is going to go city to city, preaching the gospel, city to city, making disciples and telling the whole world who Jesus is. God's plan for him included him writing down timeless instruction on how to live for Jesus in a pagan world. That was the plan. What a great plan. What do you do when things don't go according to plan? You see, here's where things get interesting. As Paul's writing this, we realize that he's not sitting on his couch as he writes this. Paul's not sitting on a veranda overlooking the Mediterranean, writing to people like you and me 2,000 years from now. You know, Paul, he's in prison. He says here, my imprisonment. Just in case you missed it the first time, he says it twice. He's writing from his imprisonment. He's locked up, guys. Why is he locked up? Because he was telling people about Jesus. And so he's beaten. He's put in prison. No more traveling from city to city. No more guest speaking invitations. Talk about the plane going down, right? God's plan was for him to go to city to city, right? He was supposed to be a missionary. But the mission's done. I mean, this is game 
over. He can no longer go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see here that Paul's life, seemingly God's plan, comes to an abrupt halt. Game over. And so now he's sitting in his cell and you can't help but hear, right? You can't help but imagine him just saying, this is not the plan. This is not the plan. Have you ever been there? Your parents, they lost their job. You find out that one of your loved ones is sick. You get into the strangest fight with one of your besties. And to this moment, you still don't even understand what you were fighting about. You just, this is not the plan. What did you say to yourself when you found out that your whole school year was coming to an abrupt halt? No more sports. SAT prep. Your spring break plans. This is not the plan. No prom. No graduation. This is not the plan. And so that's where Paul was at. Paul, the plan for his life halted. Game over. He's in chains. But now here's what I want to show you. And this is amazing. And this, like if you catch nothing else in today's sermon, this is literally the, the crux of it, okay? Yes, it looks like the plan is halted. Yes, he's in prison. Yes, he's in chains. But I want to show you something. Look what happens when the plan seems to be tanked. Okay, look what happens when it looks like the plan is going sideways. Look what he says. He says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Listen to what he's saying here. Did you hear him? He's saying the problems didn't stop God's plan. The problem, problem has actually advanced it. What? What? Excuse me? Come again? Like, Paul, I, I think you may have eaten a little bit too much prison food. Like, Paul, I think you may be getting some, some disease there in your chains. It sounds like you're telling me that the problems that have put you in chains are actually helping the plan go forward. And he's like, that's what I'm telling you. And you're like, that makes no sense. Paul, you're going to have to explain yourself to me a little bit. Paul, please help me understand how you being in prison is actually helping you go and preach the gospel. And he says, let me explain it to you. I'll show you two easy examples. Two easy examples. Number one, I want you guys to look at the whole imperial guard. Okay? He's in chains. He's in prison. And there are guard, imperial guard, who are watching over him. Now these dudes, they're used to watching like the baddest guys in society, right? Like murderers and thieves and, and people who, who, you know, um, skip in line at Chick-fil-A. Like, you know, like the really, really bad kind of people. And so he, they're there and they're like, oh, Paul, yeah. So who'd you murder? He's like, oh, I, I never murdered anyone. And they're like, what? Who'd you steal from? I mean, like, no one. Who'd you hang out with six, not six feet apart? Why are you in prison here? And he's like, Hey, I'm not in prison for any of those things. And they're like, so why are you in here, man? And he goes, because I was telling people about Jesus. And they're like, who? And he goes, let me tell you. And he begins to tell them about Jesus Christ. He's preaching to the prison guards. Students, you need to catch the, the beautiful irony of this. The ones who are meant to keep him from going around and preaching are now his audience. It gets even better. The ones who are meant to keep him from making disciples actually become his disciples. 
Fast forward to the end of the book and Paul is there and as he's writing the conclusion, as he's saying goodbye from the letter, he says this. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So the saints, Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord, there is a section, there are certain individuals in that family and they're the guards. Those who are in Caesar's household, those who were in Rome watching me, they greet you too. Why? Because they're now brothers. They're saints with us. Do you see this? The very things that we thought were making it game over, the very situation that we thought was keeping the plan from moving forward, it's actually advanced it. And so we see this in two places, right? We see this, number one, with the guard. But look, let me give you another example, Paul says, of how the plan is still moving forward. He says, look at the brothers. You see, I'm in here in prison, and the brothers, they see what God is doing in spite of my chains. They see that God is still moving the plan forward. And you know what they have? They have courage. They're they're now bold, and they're saying, yeah, let's preach the gospel. And so you see the, the, the enemy, right? He thought that by capturing one, he would stop the plan. But when he captured one, he unleashed dozens. And they're going forth and spreading the gospel. God's plan is still moving forward. And you know why? Because difficult situations cannot stop God's plan. Students, I'm talking to you this morning. The circumstances that you think would stop God's plan and purpose, He actually uses those to serve His plan and His purpose. And this is how God handles even the most difficult of situations. You see, it's one thing if I were to tell you, God is so big that He can overcome the difficult situations in your life. Right? Like a hurdler, right? Like you throw a hurdle in there and God is so powerful, He can jump right over it. But I'm not saying that God overcomes the difficult situations. I'm saying he actually uses the difficult situations. So it's like you throw the hurdle in there. He doesn't just jump over it. He actually jumps onto it and propels off of it. And because of it, the plan is advanced. The plan is moved forward even further. Everything that you thought would stop his plan, it just resulted in it going further. You can't stop God. You can't stop his plan. And you know why, student? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Do you guys know what that means? If you've been at Citizens for any amount of time, you know sovereign. My seniors, I know, you know what sovereign means, right? Let's review. To be sovereign means that God is so powerfully in control that nothing can stop his plans and his purposes. Nothing. I'll I'll give it to you another way, another definition. He carries out his perfect will on heaven and on earth the way that he alone sees it, his perfect will without failure or defeat. Guys, this is comforting to me. Like just as a dude, this, I find this comforting. I find this awe inspiring. God doesn't simply overcome the difficult situations. He uses them. So students be comforted tonight. Like take comfort. Those of you who are anxious, those of you who are despairing, those of you who have been lonely and, and, and stressed, be comforted. 
But I also want you to be in awe. Be in awe of this sovereign God. He will not simply overcome the difficult situations. He will use it to advance his plan for your life and to advance his mission in the world. And I get it. You're 14 years old. You're 17 years old. You're 18 years old. It's going to feel impossible to see it right now. You're going to look at it and you're going, Sam, there's no way. There's no way what you're saying is true. But I'm telling you, this is the kind of truth that you will only be able to see it in the rearview mirror. You're only going to be able to see it when you look backwards. I promise you, students, you will look back at this season of your life. You will look back on the difficult situations of your life. And you, though you said in that moment, dude, this sucks. This is painful. There is no good that can come from this. One day you're going to have 828 perspective. One day, you're going to have that Romans 8.28 perspective that says, wow, God used that for my good. I promise, students, nothing can stop God's plan for you. He will do it without failure or defeat. And so difficult situations can't stop God's plan, and neither can difficult people. Let's look at the last few verses. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. You see, we saw that difficult situations cannot stop God's plan, and now we see difficult people cannot stop God's plan. Do you remember just a few moments ago, uh, in verse 14, I told you about the brothers, right? And the brothers, they, they were made more bold and, and more courageous, and they went out and preached the gospel. Well, you see, not everyone was that legit. Not everybody in the crowd was moving out and, and preaching with good motives. We see that there are some here who went out and preached out of envy and rivalry. They were jealous of Paul. They were trying to compete with Paul. It says here they were motivated by selfish ambition. And so like a, like a corrupt TikTok famous influencer, they're like, oh, for real? Paul's in prison? This is my time, right? I'm going to go preach now. I'm going to become viral. I'm going to get more followers. I'm going to get more TikTok likes. I, I don't even know. Do you do likes? Do you do hearts? Do you, I'm going to get more of these, you know, like... Do you see how twisted, do you see how, how wrong those motives are? Some of you guys are like, he has no idea what he's talking about. You're right. Uh, at least about TikTok, all right? But that's what they're coming from. They're coming from a heart of selfish ambition. And, and I want to pause there just to remind you, in case you don't realize it, that's bad. Okay? I mean, that is, that's twisted. See, preaching Christ is never, it, it should never be about making your own brand. Telling Jesus is not so that people can like you, so that you can become famous. It's so that he can become famous. You know what I'm saying? Preaching Jesus is not about you getting followers. It's about him getting followers. And yet we see here that there are still people who are building their brand, trying to become famous, peddling the gospel so that everybody can see them. How would you react if you were Paul right now? Like, I want you to be honest, right? Like, you're Paul. You're in prison. Difficult situation. You have people out there who are taking advantage of your chains. Difficult people. But I want you to look at his reaction right now. All right, and this is, whoa, this is amazing. I know how you would feel. I know how I would feel, right? 
At a minimum, I'm saying, this is not the plan. At a maximum, I'm saying things that I can't say on camera right now, right? But look what Paul does. He does something amazing and I need you to note it because it's what I'm calling you to say, okay? Look what he does. Verse 18, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. He says, oh, oh, there's people out there with selfish ambition. Oh, oh, I'm in chains. Okay. What then? Meaning, so what? At the end of the day, whether they're preaching out of uh, pretense or they're preaching out of a truthful heart, at the end of the day, Christ is proclaimed. Even if they're using the wrong motives, even if they're trying to build their own brands, at the end of the day, the gospel is still being spread. God's plan is still going forward. Prison cannot stop God. Difficult people cannot stop God. And so here's what your boy's going to do. I'm going to exchange my despair for joy. That's what I'm going to do. You see, despair, it looks at the circumstances and despair says, dude, life is out of control right now. Prison, chains, you look at the situation, you say, this is game over. It's done. Finito. We cannot move forward anymore. Prison, people, these are all reasons to despair. See, an attitude of despair, it looks at the cockpit and it says, the cockpit is unmanned. The plane is going down. This is despair. And yet Paul says, I'm trading my despair for joy. Because joy says, God is in control. Right? An attitude of joy, it says, well, yeah, they say it's game over. But in reality, I know that nothing can stop God's plan. The most horrible people, the most horrible circumstances are no match for God's sovereignty. You see, an attitude of joy, it says, the plane is not going down. God is in the cockpit and he has both hands on the wheel and he is directing this plane perfectly to where he says it should go. And you see, when you realize the stability that's in the cockpit, when you realize the strength that is in the cockpit, it becomes a source of comfort and a source of joy. Students, I'm not saying we pretend the pain doesn't exist. I'm not saying we don't have our days where we just go, yeah, this is a bummer. What I'm saying is that even in the midst of those things, we can exchange our despair for joy. Why? Because in God's sovereignty, I exchange my despair for joy. In God's sovereignty, I exchange my despair for joy. In chains, I exchange my despair for joy. In crisis, I exchange my despair for joy. In disaster, in financial need, in family drama, in friend drama, in the middle of a global pandemic, I exchange my despair for joy. Why? Because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And so students, whatever you're going through right now, you can take comfort. You can exchange your despair for joy in the fact that God is in control and nothing is going to stop His will. Nothing is going to stop God's plan for your life. Nothing is going to stop His plan or derail His plan for spreading the good news of Jesus all over the world. Remember a few few weeks back, we were talking about we are made for mission. Well, God's in charge of the mission and the mission is still going forward. 
and the, and the transformation that he has begun in your life. Remember, Courtney preached, he began a good work in you. That work is still going. And it may not feel like it. You may not be able to connect the dots between what's happening now and between what God is doing. But I can promise you this, it is not stopped. And his plan is not derailed. And so while others despair, we will choose to say, in God's sovereignty, I exchange my despair for joy. I want to end our time tonight by giving you a picture and then two questions. And so here's the picture. What is it? That's right. It's a cross. Okay. This is the symbol of Christianity. We wear this on our necklaces and our chains. We, we tattoo it on our bodies. It's on our wall art. But have you ever thought, just for a moment, why is the cross the image of Christianity? It's a torture device. It's an instrument of death. Why is that our symbol? Well, you see, the cross was, was a difficult situation, to say the least, right? It was a difficult situation for Jesus, brought by the hands of difficult people. And yet, the cross is our proof. The cross is our constant reminder that God actually uses those things to accomplish His plan. The cross is our reminder that difficult situations, that difficult people cannot derail his plan and purposes. It's a reminder that as a matter of fact, he will use those things and he did use those things to accomplish his greatest redemptive plan ever, to reconcile you to himself. And so the first question I have for you is, are you in relationship with God? Have you honestly and genuinely been reconciled to God and He is your Father and you are His child? If the answer is no, look to the cross. And on the cross, you will see the greatest demonstration of love poured out for you. On the cross, we see the willingness of our Father to come and to pay our price and to take our place so that you can be in His family. Look to the cross. Respond to Jesus. And the second question I have is are you despairing of life's difficulties? Are you one of those right now where you're looking around and you say, this is not the plan? If so, I want you to look to the cross. And I want you to remember that in the cross, we, we have a lens, right? It's a perspective. Through the cross, we, we have a, a vision of how difficult situations work in the hands of God. And we use that lens as we look at every single difficult person, every single difficult situation that we encounter. And through this lens, we remember that God cannot be stopped. And so we rejoice. And we say together, I, in God's sovereignty, I exchange my despair for joy. I love you students so much. Can't wait to see your faces. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, Father. Thank you that even when things don't go according to plan, that, that we are not left hopeless. We are not abandoned, Lord, but we take hope in you. <clears throat> Lord, we know that things are not according to plan right now in our lives, but Lord, as an act of faith, we choose to exchange our despair for joy. As an act of faith, we look to you and we trust you and we say, Lord, accomplish your plan no matter what and we will follow you. And so Lord, be with my brothers and sisters today. Be with these students, Lord. For those who are anxious, for those who are stressed out and despairing, comfort them with the reality of your bigness and your sovereignty. 
And Lord, I pray for those students who are not Christians, God, for those who maybe they've grown up in a Christian home their whole life, but they've yet to actually put their faith in you. And maybe this pandemic, Lord, maybe these, this stay-at-home season has kind of awoken in them the reality of, I don't think I have personal trust in God. Lord, save them. Father, lead them, Lord, incline their heart to you and lead them to call out to you. And may they realize, Lord, that they can put their trust in you because you are trustworthy. So, Lord, I cannot wait till we can be all together again. Uh, all together again. Until then, Lord, um, keep our students safe, Father. Keep them stay safe and keep them growing. In Jesus' name, amen.